0: Asher and Ellie, I hope you guys will work on another one because that was awesome. Good job. Well done. Um, If you're gathered with us in the building this morning, welcome. Welcome physically, personally. Um, Appreciate having you here today. If you're gathered online with us this morning, we're also glad to have you with us. And we look forward to the days when as a congregation we can all be together. If you live in Maine or Iceland or Southern California or some of the other places I've heard about, Costa Rica, Portugal, um, we'll see you when we see you, but we'd love to see you. Would you join me for a word of prayer as we start? Lord, we lift up your word to you and ask that as it is opened, you will open our minds, our hearts, and our understanding to you. I pray for your your word to be spoken through you, by you, in Jesus' name. If you're uh, looking for where we're going to be today, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 1. So if you're looking for Galatians, that's about where it is. It's a New Testament book. New Testament starts about two-thirds of the way through your Bible. Just start working your way back. You'll go through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Corinthians. Start slowing down in there. You'll get into those minor, smaller uh, bits and bits of uh, letters. And you'll find Galatians. If you've gone on, if you're... If you're finishing Corinthians, it's going to be right after that. But if you get into Colossians, Philippians, you're going a little too far. So Galatians chapter 1, that's where we're going to be. And I'm just going to read a bit of it to you as we get started today under the topic from here to there. Last week, we talked about why are you here? Remember, we talked about the fact that Elijah, who had had this magnificent experience on Mount Carmel, ends up running off to a cave down in the Sinai Desert. Way down to the, to the place where Moses had met the people of Israel on the mountain. And he's gone all the way down to Mount Sinai, called Horeb in your Bible probably. And then he has gone into a cave and God has uh, approached him there. We talked a little bit about that. God's provision, even when he was going the wrong direction. God's call, God's answering, God's direction when he found himself. What God did was he said, you, you shouldn't be here. And then he told him where to go so that he might be under the guidance of God for the rest of his life. And he did, and it's a pretty miraculous story. Today I want to talk about from here to there. From here to there in us, in our world, in our presence. And it's there in in Galatians chapter 1 as we start. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me, to the churches at Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins, that He might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. To Him be glory forever. Amen. I wanted to catch a couple things in the introduction. Paul does not doesn't do this in a lot of places. He says in Galatians, specifically to this group of people, he is apostle, an apostle not called by men. He's an apostle not because of men. He's a, an apostle called by Christ. He, he sees himself as not called by a human because his experience wasn't that Peter walked up to him today one day and said, hey, join us. His experience wasn't that somehow people just kind of gathered around and said, you're the guy for us now. He was called by Christ. Jesus spoke to him specifically I had to knock him off a horse to get him to listen right some of us have to be knocked off our horse in order to hear he had to be knocked off of a horse in order to listen but he, he did listen and he was called by christ by christ to apostleship and into leadership in the church the galatian church has begun to wonder about whether paul had told them the truth This this book opens as Paul is defending himself. He is standing in a defensive posture as he starts the book. They wonder, the people of Galatia, if he has told them the truth. And we find him immediately beginning to address this. This is the nicest part of the gospel. From here on out, he goes right after the things that are going on with them. Verse 6. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. I marvel that you are turning away. In chapter 3, he, he says, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? He says, I marvel that you've wandered off so quickly, so soon, from the one who gave you his grace, who poured out his grace, who called you himself in that grace, in the covering of that grace. And you've wandered off to a different gospel. A different gospel is not a gospel at all. Because a gospel without Jesus at the center of it is not a gospel. It's not good news. It's some kind of pagan ritual, but it's not really the gospel. Verse 7 Which is not another, the gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you, then what you received, let him be accursed. For I do not persuade men, or for do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. From here to there. How do we go from here to there? How do we get back from there if we want to get back to here? Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? If you find yourself this morning a little bit wandering, or maybe completely having wandered off, Paul's shouting at you right now. He's shouting at you. Where are you going? What are you doing? I want you to picture it in a, in a simple illustration. It's as if, when you turn away from the gospel, you jump in your car, you start down the road, you get it cranked up as fast as it will go, the turbos are kicking, the whole thing's humming, and you're just flying down the road. You're on the wrong road, but you're making time. And the faster you go in that direction, the more lost you are. Uh, any, anyone else ever been lost but really certain of where they were going? I am usually certain of the things that I think I know. I have certainty before I have actual truth and promise all the time. But I do do it. uh, You can at least say I have an interest in going forward with what I'm doing. And I have found myself losing myself more completely because I've done it in such a hurry. Just get on the gas and get her going. And get out there on the wrong road in the wrong direction and really lost. And it's, it's as if Paul is saying, not only are you lost going fast in the wrong direction, he's saying the bridge is out ahead. The bridge is out ahead, and if you stay on the gas, the end will be your demise. Be careful on where you're going. Be careful of what you're doing. Now, you might be telling me this morning, you know, it's not that big a deal. It's just a small thing. Just a little bitty compromise of some things. You know, not a big deal, is it? You see, the turn off the, off the direction, the turn to go in the wrong direction doesn't have to be a big one. Um, I was in the middle of the Pacific Ocean um, many, many years ago when I was young and had hair and could stand outside in the sun without my doctor being mad at me. We were traveling from Hawaii to San Francisco. It's not a really hard deal. You pretty much go a thousand miles north, hang a right, and you'll eventually run into the coast. But we were actually trying to get to San Francisco, just not the coast of, of the United States. Out in the in the middle of that left-hand turn, we had traveled, and we were probably oh I don't know we were probably fifteen hundred miles of traveling behind us, and um, if if you were to look at the, the the track, so each day you'd write on the map where you were, so you'd put a dot from that that would extend from where you were yesterday and to where you are today, and you would draw a line, knowing how much you'd covered, and that's how you would understand where you were and where you're going. A bit of dead reckoning, a bit of uh, a bit of some good navigational tools, and that's how we were sorting it all out. If you look at the map, at one point, about halfway from Hawaii, after that left turn, to California, there's a jog in the map. looks like a tooth going in the map. It goes down, off our track, and back up to our track. That jog, going in the wrong direction all night long, all the way into the next day until we made the next noon shot, proved that we were about 80 miles off course because of a one-degree error in our math. Just one. It wasn't a big turn. It wasn't a huge deviance from things. It was just a little bit of a slip in in direction. But we were off in a different direction. Had we kept going, we may have hit Los Angeles. We might have come off of the coast of Mexico, and it would have been a much longer trip. See, that's the thing about this whole business. Oh, foolish, Galatians, what are you doing? Why are you going after a different gospel? If you were to stop and hear the arguments that they were given, the Galatians were told that the gospel Paul is preaching to is cheap grace. It's not really what God wants for you. God wants you, yeah, 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 God loves you. He wants to save you. The whole Jesus thing is pretty impressive. But you have to to conform with the rules and regulations, actually, in order to be saved. God's not going to save you by His grace. He's going to, you know, kind of forgive your past, but the present, the future, you've got to do some stuff to get your stuff together. You've got to get on the right track. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to do all the rules. You've got to keep everything going in the right direction. Make sure you're doing all this stuff. It's a weird, interesting thing. Both people were claiming that you should go in the right direction, but there was only one right direction. Both groups were arguing. That for you to meet God and for you to meet with salvation, you had to be going in the right direction. It's a crazy thing. Both. Both those who had come to speak to the Galatians and straighten them out, and the Apostle Paul who had now left them and moved on to plant a church in another place, both were telling them their way was the only way. And the poor Galatians. I mean, Paul calls them foolish, but I don't know. I... I, I kind of feel bad for him. The authority figure leaves, another authority figure shows up, and this is a brand new group. This is a new group of Christians. Galatia is a is a Roman territory. It's not deeply religious in terms of Christ or even Judaism. These are new believers. Someone wades into this camp of new believers. And they start telling them, yeah, 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 I know you heard about Jesus and the, the gospel and salvation and the covering of His blood and all those things. But man, you all, you all need to line up and get circumcised. All you guys need to get circumcised. That, that, that's, the, that's level one of the covenant. You have to do that. And then you have to keep the, the holidays and the regulations. You need to, you know, you need to celebrate the, the various holidays that are called out for in Moses in order to be saved. And they just start going down the list of things that seemed reasonable. Wouldn't it seem reasonable if you were joining the Judeo-Christian religion that is Christianity for some of that Judeo to hang on? Wouldn't it? Here's the one fatal flaw, the 1% turn. The 1% turn in the whole discussion is that you must do all these things in order to be saved. It's Jesus, yeah. Plus just a little. And as soon as it becomes Jesus and anything, it's no longer Jesus. I'm not trying to be antinomian with you, but I want you to get this fact right. I want you to understand this this biblical spiritual phenomenon that is Christ. The sacrifice of Jesus is everything that needed to be done. Again, the sacrifice of Jesus is everything that needed to be done. God will call you to transformation. The Holy Spirit will whisper in your ear and sometimes shout in your face to try to get you to make some adjustments. But it is not Jesus and, Jesus but, Jesus plus, it's just Jesus and that's where Paul is as he opens the argument with the Galatians. If you read through this book he keeps coming to this and trying to get them to understand and trying to get them to understand. It may be one of the harshest bit of content when you were if you thought of reading it as a as a receiver of those things if you were the one receiving what was being said it might feel pretty harsh. But he's trying to keep them from driving the car off the cliff. Because the bridge is out in the direction they're going. And the challenge, the call of Galatians. He said, you have to let Jesus be the all in all. So Paul finds them. And he says, I marvel that you have fallen away so soon from him who called you. He will later say that not only did He call you, He demonstrated with miracles and the authority and power and presence of the Holy Spirit in the midst of you all. He demonstrated His own authority here with, with miraculous things. How could you walk away from that so quickly? And yet, and yet, they're brand new. They're still milk-fed babies in faith and they're, they're trying to get their feet going in a good direction trying to get their faith under them as the support for them when they stand i can understand i can understand but man it could be a fatal mistake i want to walk through this phrase a little bit with you he says i marvel that you have fallen away fallen is easier than most everything else i don't know about you i I don't fall much anymore because i don't try things that might let me fall much anymore. At a certain age, you stop doing that. I have grandchildren. They constantly are falling. Literally. I think it's why God builds all children close to the ground, because they're constantly bouncing off the ground. They can't get a lot of speed up before they hit the ground that way. The littlest ones, they're trying to figure out how to walk. And just walking for them is an adventure. Just getting your feet under you and starting to figure out how to walk. And then to run, you start seeing those little toddlers run, and those feet aren't moving that well. They're not picking them up very well. They're almost dragging their feet as they run, and they're just Any little ripple in the carpet and they're boom, they're down. I have a grandson who's four. He's trying other things now. He's bouncing up and down on the trampoline. He's trying to run and run down the stairs, run up the stairs, trying to to figure it out, exercise the newfound freedom that is his mobility. And he crashes a lot. He's on the ground a lot because he's pushing it, right? Somewhere when we get to be, I don't know where it is. Ryan, are you there yet? You're still falling? Your bike's still knocking you over? Yeah, but you go real fast sometimes and it doesn't always stay upright. I visited you in the hospital. (laughs) But the deal is at some point we stop pushing that edge. At some point we're more concerned about not falling than the adventure of the edge. Right? We get... We get to that moment where we just we don't want to fall anymore because we found out falling hurts. It's not really falling that hurts, it's a sudden stop that hurts. But falling is easy. All you gotta do is get a little off balance. I'm, I'm amazed at how quickly you've fallen, but you have fallen, and it seemed, it seemed crazy easy for you. It seemed wild that you did that. If you've been a Christian for very long, you know that you've experienced this, right? You know that you've wandered along for a while and fallen flat on your face. You know that you've you've gotten the back of your feet under you and you moved along for a while and you fell again, and, and you keep thinking every time I fall, it's terminal, right? You always think that when you fall, especially when you're an early believer, you fall. You think if I fall, it's terminal. My right? faith is gone. God doesn't love me anymore. I'm out. He's going to kick me to the curb. I'm falling. Isn't that what happened to Satan? He fell. Isn't it the same? Am I out? And like the parent of a child who's learning to walk, comes along and helps you up, gets you back on your feet, dusts you off. I was with my, uh, with my family. My uh, one of my groups of kids is moving. They moved to Michigan. They actually just yesterday walked into their own own home. You know, if you're a young family, it's tough to buy a house in California, but in Michigan, they were able to buy a house. So they moved into their house, moving into their house. While I was there, helping my son drive his cars cars back there, while I was there, just to, I don't know, I wasn't there 24 hours. Something happened. One of those little twin toddlers, they're they're just a year and a half old, crashed on the hardwood floor going along, got out of balance, something happened, dragged a toe, stuck a shoe, I don't know, poof, she went down. This is what her dad did. He clapped. And instead of, I fell, I'm going to cry, she looked up, kind of shocked, and got up. A few minutes later, the other one fell. One's a little more outgoing than the other. The outgoing one fell. When she fell, everybody clapped. So she fell like four more times in a row. She started looking for a place to fall. You say, don't. I don't want to encourage it. But I want you to understand that it's not terminal to fall. In your walk with Christ... The umbrella covering of his grace is always there unless you walk out from under it. You have to leave him to leave that. He will always keep his covering. And if you do leave him, he will chase you with that umbrella of grace the rest of your life. Trying to get you back under it. Paul says, I marvel at how how you followed, how quick it was, how easy it was, how far you've gone. How did you get there? How did you get from what I taught you to where you are now? How did you get from Christ died for you to having to be circumcised, to be saved? And then the from. You've fallen from him who called you in the grace of Christ. Did you ever realize that the fall from, the from is always what, what defines it? The from is always what defines positive or negative in that sentence. You have walked away from, fill in the blank, your job, your debts, your bad habits, your silliness. The the definition is what follows the from, right? What what did you walk away from? What what you came from, where you went from, that's that's important. That makes a lot of difference in how that sentence goes forward. It makes a lot of difference on how you define what just took place. They came away from the grace of Christ, the one who had called them in the grace. They came away from Jesus who was covering them by his grace. They walked away from Jesus. Paul's statement to them is if you accept this system that you're wanting to accept you will eventually have to walk away from Jesus there's one way to be saved and that is Christ and to walk away into anything else anything else means you have stepped out away from him Jesus and Jesus plus is not the gospel you with me so far This may be review. I hope it's review. I've said it to those of you grace pointers a lot. But I think it's easy to fall from. It's easy to, to sort of tip out there on the balance of my own strength until I get past that balance point and I fall off. It's easy to start wanting merit. It's easy to start wanting praise. It's easy to want to be recognized for how awesome I am. Right? It's quiet in the church this morning. You have fallen from to the two. From the from to the two. You've fallen from. From the grace of Christ to a different gospel. And if you fall into a different gospel, you've fallen away from the gospel entirely because there is no different gospel. It's like the, it's like the commandment that says, You shall have no other gods before me. Do you know why the Bible says you shall have no gods before me? Because God is a giant egomaniac. No? Amen. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> because there are no other gods. You should have no other gods before me because there are no other gods. And anything you place before me is a rock or a stick or an imagination or a drawing. But it's not me. It's not real. It's not God. And you should make no, other, no idols. Not even idols of me. Because if you make an image of me, if you build an image of me, you've diminished me to something you can manage, you can handle. And that is a terrible thing to do. But that is what we do When we claim the authority to save ourselves, we diminish God to something we can handle, and we've stepped into a form of Christian paganism. We've stepped into something that isn't true. We've stepped into the idea that we have to help God to save us. And now we're standing at a tree, a familiar tree, in the center of the garden... That has beautiful fruit and a snake wound around its trunk, leaning out over its branches with a mouthful of fruit, speaking to Eve as the juice of the fruit is running down his face. And he's saying to us, as he said to her, You can be like God. Look, this is a do it yourself kind of thing. Do it yourself. And we become the God of our own salvation and the center of our own religion we've walked away from what was the gospel the good news that jesus came lived on the earth a perfect life died for the salvation of mankind so that we might be able, because of His sacrifice, to go into the presence of God, to part the way that was, that was separated by the veil so that we would not be consumed because we're bearing our sins into the presence of God. He has parted the way and allowed us into the veil, into the presence of the Father because he, he has taken our sins on Himself. And He who had no sin has taken our sin so that we might be as we stand before God as if we had never sinned. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And they had fallen from what Paul had explained to them about that and what they'd experienced, miraculous things in seeing it. When they accepted by faith what Christ had done, miraculous things flowed through the Galatian church. Amazing, fantastic, miraculous. Call the newspaper, call call CNN, call YouTube. Somebody ought to record this kind of things. Now they've gone off and figured out, way hey, because somebody came in and said that there was another way, that there was a way that I could actually gain a little praise in my own religion. If I act a certain way, I can stand up taller. I'm not a, <laughs> I, I'm not a humbled or humiliated failure to save myself. I can stand up and take some of the credit because I'm pretty awesome when you really count it against all of those other people. Because that is the only measure that works, right? Your awesomeness is only going to work when you lay it against somebody else who is less awesome than you. Because it never works when you lay it alongside Jesus. It's the fatal flaw in the plan because Jesus is always the measuring stick. And that's that's all I want to do is measure up to something, be better than somebody at something somewhere. And that's what they fall into. A gospel that's not a gospel at all. We're just in verse 6. He spends the whole book arguing this point. I would invite you to read it this afternoon if you have the time. To, to spend some time before you come to the movie night tonight. Reading through the book of Galatians. Because as you read through the book of Galatians you'll find his arguments. And he reinforces the argument over and over and over and over and over again. And you feel kind of like you might be piling on, but then you realize how stubborn the human mind is. When we find thump something we think is true, we're all in for our truth. And we try, to, we try to convince other people, and we try to be the truth that we believe it. We just, yeah, that's why, that's why those guys on late night TV saying, you know, kind of be all you can be stuff, make money. Because we believe that. I can fix it myself. I 'll fix it myself. Crazy, isn't it? I'll pick up the pace just a little, just a tiny bit. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know that the gospel I preached isn't human in origin. Catch that phrase: The gospel I preach to you is not human in its origin. Paul will go through his history. He'll explain where he met Jesus, what he did after that, what he did after that, what he did after that. And then 15 years later, I went and met Cephas. That's Peter. He said, I didn't learn this from anyone. I learned it directly from Jesus. It it, it puts a whole new uh, frame around the the writings of St. Paul. It puts a whole new frame around the concepts of the gospel that he's teaching from, from those books as he writes and those letters that he's writing to the various churches. When you start to find yourself deep in the weeds with Paul trying to understand, go, oh, well, I, I, I get it. it. Jesus taught him and he's trying to teach me and the translation isn't working that well because it's his brain, my brain and the, per, and the preponderance of God's own word. Maybe I ought to pray for the help of the Holy Spirit here. He says, I didn't get this. In my own thinking. Jesus taught me this. How cool would that be? How cool is that? Those who have been following Jesus. Those of you who have been believers for a while. You've experienced this at some point. You have opened your Bible. You have been reading some passage. And something has hit you that you never thought of before. And suddenly a picture sort of filled in, some blanks filled in, some puzzle pieces settled in that you didn't know you were going to settle in that day. You're just going about your regular devotional pattern. By the way, can I argue for a regular devotional pattern? Be in your Bible on a regular basis so God has the opportunity to speak to you through the words. You'll be reading the word one day and boom, something will come together and it'll just fit all at once. Boom, 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 boom. All of a sudden you have a new piece of the puzzle, a new shade. Something fills in. Oh, I thought that was the sky. It's actually a tree puzzle example but god does it with the believer paul had happened to be away for 15 years in the process of learning the gospel and what he is sharing now he said didn't come from me didn't come from anybody came directly from jesus You see, that's what had happened to the other apostles, right? They had wandered around for three and a half years, and Jesus had taught them. They had learned the gospel directly from Jesus. Paul is saying, I did too. It was just a different process. Just a different way. Pretty amazing when you think about it. And then he asks this question, which I want us to ask as well. The things that cause us to fall away can be wrapped up in this question quite a bit. But I want you to understand, he's asking this question because he's being attacked. He's being told the only reason Paul teaches the way he does, and he teaches this kind of cheap grace thing, easy living thing, covered by the blood of Jesus thing. The only reason he teaches all that is because he's trying to get to build a crowd. He's trying to get people to like him. He doesn't want to teach the hard things of faith. He wants to keep throwing out these easy things. Paul says, am I trying to win the approval of people or of God? And I think we could ask that question a lot of ourselves when we get up in the morning, when we find ourselves facing the first... Cur- for, 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 uh, I speak for a living. When we find our face, our face ourselves face-to-face face with that first temptation, sometimes you just have to slow down. We might need to ask ourselves a question like this one. Am I trying to win the approval of people or of God? It's a good sort of test. Paul is saying it as a negative. There's no way I'm trying to win the, the approval of people. Look at this. I've made all you mad now. Am I trying to win the approval of people or of God? When I make the decision that I'm about to make, when I go and do the thing that I'm about to do, when I throw myself into the work that I'm about to throw myself into, why am I doing this? How did I end up in this quandary? Am I trying to win the approval of people or the approval of God? Now, some of you just ran down a road I want to come chase you down before you get too far because the bridge out bridge is out down there too. Some of you just said, well, doesn't that mean that every day I should work really hard to win the approval of God? My answer is yes. But not to win salvation from God. I know, I just... I just threw you a very high inside fastball. Theologically, it's a high inside fastball. You got it? It went right under your chin. But catch this. If you've fallen asleep, wake up for a second, okay? If the person next to you is falling asleep, very gently wake them up for a second. you are saved by grace through faith that not of yourselves it is a gift of god not of works lest any one should boast but the next verse says but you are saved in order to be, in order to become like Jesus, in order to fulfill the calling of God that man, God, mankind was called for, you are here to represent Jesus on the planet. Once Jesus has covered you with His grace, has saved you from your sins, He's challenging you now to walk around the planet as little bitty Jesus is, kind of expressing what it's like to follow Him, kind of expressing that that the people who follow Jesus win. And going to people who are Headed 100 miles an hour on a road where the bridge is out. And say, wait, the bridge is out down there. Follow Jesus. That's where you want to go. That's what will happen. That's how it works. That's how you get from here to where you need to be. But the process that is being described is a process led by the Holy Spirit, not by you. Not by me. It's not a process of me initiating action. It's a a process of me indulging in surrender. It's me saying, God, you are God, and I am not. You know what you're doing, and I do not. You hold me in your hand, and I do not. I will trust you with where you want to go. And I will trust you to follow me. Listen to the last piece. Don't miss the last piece. Because I believe you have my best interest at heart. That no matter what challenge you put in front of me, you are trying to bless me. Covered by His grace. grace, Called to grow into His likeness. But never earning what Jesus has already given. Are we clear? Some of you are here today. Some of you are watching online. And you're saying, how did I get here? You're looking at the decisions that are out there in front of you. You looked at things that you've done and you've said, okay, I did this and then I did this and then I did this. How did I end up so far down this road? Maybe you're not far off the path yet. Maybe you're sitting there just saying, yesterday was not a good day spiritually for me. I made some choices, some compromises yesterday I don't ever want to make again. How did I get here? And what do I do about it? Does God care about the person who's wandered off the path? Does he care about the person who's who's going in the wrong direction with the foot all the way to the floor? Does he care about the person who's lost and confused? The answer is, of course, yes. The Galatians knew nothing of Jesus before Paul showed up. Why is he writing this impassioned letter to them because he's worried about them? He's trying to call them back from the brink of disaster spiritually. I want to tell you this story, a story that I recently read. I don't know how old the magazine was. Magazines pile up and I read them when I get to them. It's the story of Abdullah. Abdullah is a refugee from the Middle East doesn't say where he is, he's probably somewhere in, I don't know, Europe or Eurasia, somewhere. Abdullah has been having dreams. It's an interesting dream. This dream has spread like a, a, like a, a wildfire across the 1040 window, that whole... 10th parallel to the 40th parallel window that has been almost unreachable by Christianity. God has been giving those people dreams. It's the same dream over and over and over again. Person after person has the same dream to the point where... We have set up websites because of this dream. The dream is they, they're they there sleeping. They're feeling a little uncomfortable. And a man all in white appears. A man in white appears. They don't really know who this man is. But it's very curious to them. He seems to be comforting while he's in the dream. And, and then he disappears and he's gone. And they have the dream over and over and over and over and over again. Until it starts to disrupt and disturb their life, their peace, their thinking. And they start looking for ways to understand it. And that's what happened to Abdullah he started looking for ways to understand this crazy dream he was having and this discomfort he was having and this agitation in his soul and as he began to look online he was drawn to a website crazy website called the dream turned to the website he said i felt just just challenged that this is where I should be That I needed to go to this website I needed to see what was going on And so I opened the website And I started to look at it And they described my dream And so I sent a text message to the line The number that was there And the person got back to me in just a few minutes And they were willing to answer my questions And talk to me about my dream And explain what I was looking at This began a relationship with a person online Who they, he began to talk to back and forth And back and forth for a long time the person spoke his language. The person knew the Quran, knew the, knew the Bible, and they spoke about both. And they went back and forth and back and forth for a long time. And the person started to tell them about Jesus. And he said, I, I, I can take a lot of what you're saying, and I agree with a lot of what you're saying. But this this Jesus character, no, oh, no, 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 no. He's just a guy, just a like a prophet maybe, but he's nothing more. And he said, I, I love our conversations, but I'm not going across that. Lying with you while Abdullah was sleeping the next night he said very early in the morning i had another dream so the man in the white showed up again and this time he began to speak to me and he said to me do you know who i am he said no i don't he said your friend has been telling you the truth about me i am the way the truth and the life I am Jesus Christ. And he said, I woke up that morning in great peace. And he said, I reached out to my friend and I had told him what happened, what had happened. And he said to me, I told you that I didn't have to worry about you because God would reveal Himself to you. And that is the truth today rockland california as sure as it is the truth in eurasia for abdullah god will reveal himself to you if you will humbly come to him and request that revelation he will reveal himself to you if you give him the opportunity see abdullah did not believe that the bible was something that he should be following didn't even know it so god reached out to him in a dream And when he needed confirmation that what he was learning about the Bible and from this person who seemed credible to him was true, God reached out to him again in a dream. His own dreams. If you are stuck somewhere right now, cry out to God for help. If you find yourself having made Mistake after mistake after mistake, and you, you think you're so far down the road you can't get back. There's no such place. While you still draw breath, God, is, God has died to give you His grace. And He just wants you to make the decision to follow Him. If you're a regular follower of Jesus, so you walk the path day after day, thank you. If you're a regular follower of Jesus who walks the path day after day, can I challenge you to take another step with Him? To ask Him what He wants to do next? Does He want you to go deeper in some place in the Bible? Does He want you to become an expert on the book of Ephesians or Romans or 1 Chronicles? I don't know. Does He want to drag you deeply into some concepts in Scripture that you've been resisting? He wants to take you down into some things you'd like to, He'd like you to learn and grow on, but you've been resisting. Don't resist. All the fun is that direction. The powerful transformation that he wants to do in your life is in the direction of, okay, I trust you because you have always had my best interest at heart. If you are questioning whether or not you want to follow God today, you're out there on the internet, I want to remind you that he has the same thing for you. He had for Abdullah, for the Galatians, for the Ephesians, For Paul himself, when he was trying to kill the church off, he has the same thing available for all of us that he had for them. The blood of Jesus to cover our sin. The unmerited favor favor that is the grace of God who loves us so much that he let his son sacrifice himself so that we would have the opportunity to make the choice to follow him home. The God who is trying to get you into heaven not keep you out. Let's pray. Father God, as a family, a family uh, electronically right now, a family in places in the world because of the the grace of that covering that is so often used for ill that is known as the Internet. Lord, I pray that you would take over the Internet. Thank you for pushing churches out onto the Internet over the last couple of years. For the growth and the number of people who are standing and speaking on your behalf, thousands, hundreds of thousands, Voices, new voices calling out to the lost, to the lonely, to the growth of the saved. Father, we're grateful for what you are doing in ways that we would never have chosen. That you are finishing the work in the lives of individuals and maybe on the whole planet. Thank you for reaching out to people through their own dreams. Lord, I pray that you would multiply and pour out your spirit in this way across the whole planet. Lord, I pray that as those of yours in this house and online who know that they are following, know that they are covered by your grace, coming back to you day after day. I ask that for each one and for all of us a greater willingness to know that if we are in a place you want to move us away from, that where you are taking us to will be our blessing. I pray, Lord, for surrender, faith, Peace in that direction for everyone who is hearing me today.